welcome. You're listening to But Seriously, What is Engineering? with me, Kartiki Gupta. This is a podcast series from the University of Queensland that explores all corners of engineering. Today we'll hear from two of our current students, Rohit Nana and Emma Godbold, who will talk about the importance of teamwork and strong communication in engineering. Welcome to you both. Uh, hello. Good to hey be guys. here. <laughs> Emma, um, you, uh, you mentioned to me before that you come from an all-girls high school. Tell us how you felt on day one of your engineering degree. I was definitely very nervous coming into engineering. I guess on top of the nerves of coming to uni, um, there was also um, the fact that I hadn't been in a classroom with boys for about five years and I wasn't too sure what to expect. I was lucky enough that there are a number of girls from my school who also started university with me in engineering. So that definitely made things a bit easier for me and settled the nerves a bit. Once I started, I really made an effort to meet new people and yeah, everything was good. I had a lot of fun. In engineering, there's a lot of teamwork in all years of engineering and yes. teamwork can often be challenging. So Rohit, tell us about how you manage sometimes conflicting situations in your team? I guess it always comes down to trust between team members. So um, having that rapport, especially at the start of when you meet your group and building that trust by doing little tasks, that's when you kind of um, neglect from the conflict management. But conflict is sometimes good within teams because whenever you bottle up a lot of um, compromises, it adds up quite at the end of the semester or end of the project when often everything goes wrong and that's when teams really fall apart. So having those conflict managements early on or whenever they occur and try and resolving them at that stage, um, just be upfront about it. That's essentially how you deal with conflict. You mentioned trust. Trust is so important in a team. Sometimes I find if it takes time to build that trust but the project doesn't go for that long, how do you sort of... What do you do to build trust really quickly? I think for me, trust comes with whenever you're off the project. So whenever you have those informal chats between team members um, um, before the meeting or after the meeting, that's when you build trust because that's when you kind of um, go out of a role because whenever you're in a meeting, you kind of assume a role between yourself saying that you're a lead in something or you're the manager or something. But whenever you're off that team meeting, you just be a normal person so that's what I can say if you want to build trust just be you. I agree with that I think one of the best ways to really have a um, good cohesive team is to actually put the effort into you know get to know your teammates be friends with them catch up outside of um, just uni work it really helps when things get tough at the end of semester if you actually know your teammates and you know like what's going on in their lives it does make it a lot easier to solve issues and really produce the best result you can. I guess both of you have mentioned trust. What about communication and being open about things up front, like being open and upfront? Tell us a bit about that. Communication is one of the main reasons why teams can fall apart, I guess. When people, you know, say that they'll take on a portion of the, the assignment, you know, different things come up in their lives. They might have other commitments and, you know, they don't let the team know that can really start to cause issues. I think that the best way to solve that is to just be transparent with your team. If you um, have been given a task and you're getting a bit stressed about it, you're not really sure 
when you'll find time to do it, to just let your teammates know. People are normally pretty reasonable um, and they understand that, you know, life doesn't always go as planned. So, yeah, if you can't do something, just let people know and they'll pick up the slack. Yeah, that's right. And I like, um, Emma, what you said about being transparent, really communicating openly with your team and discussing the non-negotiables. And uh, like life is uh, planned differently for everyone. Everyone has different commitments. You might have sport, family. Um, Rohit, what's your thoughts on that? That's pretty much the same thing because trust is pretty much a by or byproduct of communication. So if you have that open communications when you work as a team, you build that trust over time. So for example, uh, at UQ, when we usually start our team projects, we have what we call the team charter, where we list out sort of the time commitments that we have, um, what are your preferred chance of communication, if you want to go by emails or Facebook, or you want to meet up in person, or if you can't meet up in person. That's when you have those discussions saying that I have support commitments, or I have a thesis coming up, so I wouldn't be committing that much time into this project. So having those upward confrontations can help manage your team expectations because sometimes whenever you start your project you want to get that those sevens or get the best possible mark but then whenever you're not that transparent with the commitments that you have that's when performance sort of breaks down and that's when trust sort of um, has this war between performance so if you can't perform well then the trust kind of varies um, back and forth if you have those low expectations at the start and build those expectations as you go that's when you really see trust flourish Mm. I guess you have we talked about trust we talked about how important communication is but sometimes you know we plan those things but often things don't go to plan and that can be challenging in a team so tell us about how you overcome those challenges or just challenges in general in teamwork The first, I guess, team course that you do when you come to UQ is called Engineering Design. It's a first year course for first semester and you're put into teams, you're given a problem that you have to solve and you're not really given a lot of guidance. And this is on purpose because it really forces you to come together as a team and really work out um, the root of the problem and how you need to solve it. When I was in um, first year, we had to build a um, bucket wheel excavator And we were all very motivated students. We all wanted to do really well in the course um, and we were all very excited to be at university. And um, in this task, you got extra points for innovation. So we were trying to be really innovative, um, come up with the craziest solution that we could that was really efficient. And I guess how we came to trouble was that we were all trying to do these really cool new things. But we didn't take into account that we hadn't really had a lot of experience actually building things before. And that did cause a number of issues because when we actually got to building, um, we had this really intricate design and we didn't really know how to put it together. And so coming up to the due date, we were having a bit of trouble building and we were trying to test out prototype and it just wasn't working. Um, And so the night before, we kind of had to pull it all apart, start from scratch and just use the simplest solution. And yeah, it was a very stressful period. I guess none of us had really had much experience um, in teamwork before. I think people did get a bit um, a bit stressed. They all, yeah, we were all obviously very stressed. At the start of the semester, we had, you know, caught up just as friends outside of uni. And I think that did make it a lot easier to deal with the situation. When you're friends outside of that team, then you can build a rapport sort of in an informal situation and... Probably the team then works more cohesively when you're actually doing the task. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Rohit, I'm keen to hear from you. How have you managed when different people in your team have different levels of motivation? And I guess what I mean by that is motivation in terms of getting a good mark versus just let's just do the task. Yeah, so pretty much in some of the final year courses, that's when you experience that, Um, especially in the middle of the semester, you're having conflicting deadlines. So for example, I was part of a team and we had to write a report in two weeks. And those two weeks were really critical for final year students who are doing their thesis because they had to do their thesis presentation as well. So in terms of time commitments, they weren't able to contribute that much. So we had to rethink our way on how we engage or collect information as a team. So what we did is we booked in three hours in the library. We sat together and we compiled all the sort of thoughts and ideas that we had in a whiteboard and from there compiled everything concisely as much as possible. So in those three hours, we pretty much did as much as work we would have done in a day. So that was quite productive in sort of breaking those barriers because in previous sort of assignments that we had before, we usually used to take um, a couple of days to collect those sort of information, do our own research within our own time. So to able to manage the time commitments, he was upfront about it and we just found a solution on making sure that everyone was in the team and contributing. Mm, gets back to, I guess, uh, that open communication again. Emma, do you have any thoughts on that different, differing levels of motivation? Um, I think one of the best ways to deal with that is to really at the start of the project, yeah, just be transparent about it. Like when I'm in groups, normally we... Um, We all try and sit down and we talk about what we like and dislike about the subject. Um, And we try and divide up the work that needs to be done pretty evenly and then allocate that based on who um, best suits the task. And when you're given um, a piece of work that's only for you, you know, all the responsibility does fall onto you. And that does really push you to um, get the work done, even if you just want to pass the course. When you have other people relying on you, you are definitely a lot more... um, motivated to get the work done, even if it's not for yourself, just for your team, because yeah, there are other people who are relying on you. And you don't, once you do that piece of work, then you can move on from there. Yeah. And you said we, you know, you, you manage the division of tasks to who it's best suited to. How do you know that when you've like only just met the people? Because you mentioned it was your first course. In Eng 1100, the first piece of assessment you do is actually individual. You have to write a research report by yourself and you get marked on that and you um, get a lot of feedback on that report. And so what we did was um, we kind of all looked over our feedback together and we looked at what we were strong at, um, whether it was coming up with the design, doing the research, writing the actual report, all the different strengths that our team members had based on our feedback. And that's really important. I'm a big believer of getting feedback and taking that on board and using that as an opportunity for improvement um, for future work. That's that's fantastic. I d- actually didn't know that they did that. <laughs> so, Emma, you mentioned that just, in fact, uh, b- when we were talking before, you mentioned that you were a tutor for the same course. So you actually saw the different side of teams working together. What are your thoughts on that? This semester, I've been tutoring in 1100. And so I guess my big takeaway from, um, you know, looking at teams from the outside is just how much easier it is to see like the issues that are going on when you're not part of the issue, I guess. Um, So looking from the outside at teams, it's a lot easier to tell whether it's communication, whether it's infrequent meetings, just maybe why the team isn't working so well. Yeah, I think I've 
learnt a lot from my students, um, just from watching how they um, communicate with one another. Some teams had three or four meetings every week. They had extensive meeting minutes, which I've never done in a team project, but I thought that was pretty impressive. But even just looking at how students deal with, I guess, the problems that come their way, obviously this has been a bit of a messy semester. And I had one team in particular who, there was an international student in the team. They went back home for this semester and they had a lot of issues getting in contact with this student um, and dealing with VPN issues. I really enjoyed watching the way that they dealt with these issues. Um, I think they did an awesome job. Partway through the um, semester, you have like a mentoring catch-up kind of informal meeting about how your team's progressing. And um, before this meeting, you have to do a peer assessment factor, which is where you rank how much effort um, each team member is putting in and how much they're contributing. Um, and these students actually came to me and they said, hey, this student hasn't been able to put in a lot of effort, a lot of time because she's having trouble um, getting in contact with the team. We know that it's not her fault. How should we um, deal with this peer assessment factor? And I thought that was um, really encouraging. They were so understanding of um, the student circumstances. Communication as a whole team was very extraordinary. In your opinion, Emma, because you've been a tutor for this course, you've seen the outside. What do you think are some of the things that work so well to keep the team together, to keep the team performing well, and I guess to just get a great outcome at the end? Because you mentioned some teams had extensive meetings, like three to four a week. Some just had once a fortnight. So what's, I guess, a, you know, what's the best outcome in that respect? Um, I definitely think the teams that had more frequent meetings, even if they were for shorter amounts of time, like maybe a 15-minute meeting, um, just checking in with everyone and seeing how they're going. Towards the end of semester, they were a lot more organised. They were a lot more on top of their work. Everyone was just aware of what was being done and what needed to happen. And that definitely makes things a bit easier when you're coming to the pointy end of the semester and you're trying to finish up all the different parts that have been in progress over the past 13 weeks. Those regular check-ins really made everyone aware of what was happening and what needed to be done. And they, yeah, in the end, performed a lot better. Those regular check-ins are just needed, especially in these times when we are not seeing people face to face we're just you know seeing people virtually we want to make sure everyone's okay everyone's doing well and everyone is still on task really maybe they weren't even for the project just yeah checking in with people we all need um, human contact and that can be a bit difficult um, in the current circumstances yeah of course I absolutely agree I think that's that contact is needed just you know just for uh, mental well-being yes <laughs> So let's talk uh, diversity in teams. Rohit, I'm keen to hear from you how diversity has benefited your team. I wouldn't say diversity is the key contributing factor. It's just diversity of thought is the most important thing. So diversity of thought comes in various forms. It can be from diversity, like you said, but it can be from how you think differently. So each individual person has their own thoughts on how we do um, a certain task. So let me give you an example. This was a final year engineering project that we had to do, and we had to design a physical product. So with electrical engineering, physical products usually take about two weeks of lag time to design the physical product. So everything has to be done two weeks ahead of schedule. Unfortunately, we had four electrical engineers within the group where you had to design a product, but there was also a software component attached to it. So 
four electrical engineers who were great at electrical engineering but weren't that great in the software component of it. Someone had to take that um, software part and just make the best of it, I guess. So what we did, even though we, we were quite a diverse team, so there were two female engineers, one international student and me as well, and we just assumed that the software role was done as a group, which was quite interesting because no one had ownership of it, but everyone had to make sure that the software component was um, as good as any um, individual engineer would have done. So it was quite interesting because um, at 2 a.m., someone would have given us some suggestions on how you would edit that software. And then um, somewhere along the line, if someone comes into the lab, they um, stayed for another half an hour just to get a little bit of software done. So that was done progressively. But in terms of diversity of thought, that's when we sort of realized that it doesn't have to be one single person doing one individual task. Everyone can do the task and share that responsibility together. So that was an example where we used that diversity of thought just to think differently. Even though we had um, this pretty much the same skill set, we just had to adapt to the situation and think of it in a different manner. It's a quote that I go by, you can achieve very little alone, but you can achieve a lot when uh many minds are put to that task so great to hear that your software component was done quite successfully with bringing that diversity of thought into the team. Emma what, what's your thoughts on the diversity and where have you been involved? So I think diversity is particularly important in um, engineering because we are the world's problem solvers. When we are given a problem to solve we definitely draw on our past experiences, um, the education that we've had and when you are in a diverse team, I guess it can cause a bit more conflict. I think that's one thing that people don't normally talk about because when you all have different um, backgrounds and you all look at um, a problem differently, it leads to, I guess, some issues down the line because obviously you're all looking at the problem differently. You all have different um, perspectives on the best way to solve the problem. And in the end, yeah, definitely you'll come out with a better solution. You'll have a more creative and innovative solution because of you'll because you'll be able to draw on everyone else's everyone's experiences the different ways that people look at the problem in engineering in your first year you're put into teams and they do um, always try and put the two girls together in a team um, because it can be a little bit daunting um, being by yourself I've been lucky enough that every team that I've been in um, we've always had two girls in the team which I think has really aided the um, design process. Obviously, we all, yeah, we have different ways of thinking. We look at problems differently. Yeah, I do think that really makes a difference. Both of you are actually heavily involved in our Women in Engineering program here at UQ. Tell us how your passion about being involved in this diversity program has stemmed from. I like the world to be as simple as possible because um, when you um, add in factors like age, gender and everything, things get a bit complicated because especially in the team, there are only two factors that you need to really care about is trust and performance. And so if you're not performing well as a team, then there's something wrong with how you work as a team. Or if you don't have trust, then whenever things get tough, um, teams usually break down quite quickly. So. Diversity really plays a factor in understanding that you don't have to suppress your differential factors, but recognizing those differential factors and adapting to those differential factors. So 
for example, in a team, just for example, if you're an international student, you don't have to suppress the fact or um, collectively work together as a team or have that unanimous perspective. You can have those conflicting perspectives and think differently because nowadays solutions are catered to a wide range of audiences. There is no specific target market per se. It has to cater to a lot of different people. So diversity really comes into play in understanding that Yes, there are differing factors, but at the same time, they can be a really big positive and to kind of channel those positive energy to making solutions better. So I guess my passion for diversity in engineering has really stemmed from my own experiences. So when I was in high school, I really, really enjoyed maths and science. I knew that was the path that I wanted to take. But I did have a bit of trouble imagining what my life would look like five or ten years down the track working as an engineer um, in industry, I think it's definitely, um, it can be difficult to imagine yourself in a position um, where you're not presented with um, numerous role models for that position. And I guess through my involvement in the Women in Engineering program, I really want to be a role model for younger girls who are in high school and they're not sure whether engineering is for them. They can't really see themselves working in um, this industry. And I really want to um, just be able to give those girls the confidence to really have faith in themselves and just go after what they want. You know, you can be the first person um, to do something. You don't always have to wait for other people to do it first. But I do know how hard um, it can be to have that confidence in yourself. I definitely understand that. And yeah, I guess I just want to pass on some of the confidence that has been given to me through my role models. And who are your role models, Emma? Definitely some of the... um, older students in engineering. I guess I, in my first year of university, I was quite heavily involved in the clubs and societies at UQ, um, specifically the engineering ones. And just talking to older students um, about their experiences as a female in engineering and how they've dealt with the different challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome issues because they were a female. Um, It has really given me a lot of confidence to just be proud of who I am and go after what I want. There are so many um, really strong female leaders um, in engineering that we have at UQ. I think this year within the societies, I think there's around 60% of the executives are female and 75% of the engineering presidents are female. So it really does go to show wow. yeah, just how many strong female engineers we have at UQ. Yeah, I do think that's testament to the work that women in engineering is doing. And did you have any female role models in your family um, as engineers or are you...? Um, no, there's, yeah, no no female engineers in my family. No engineers at all, I don't think. Yeah, wow, um, so you're the first engineer in your family. Yes, yeah. yeah. Ditto, I'm the first engineer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, great, fantastic. Well, we've reached the end of the episode, but before we go, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready for some fast facts? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is your go-to beverage? In the mornings, I like a good iced latte. Yeah, I really like the cold coffee because I like to sip on it over a long period of time. (laughs) Yeah. Tea um, or water. That's pretty much it. I'm pretty boring. (laughs) No, that's good. And are you a traveler or a homebody? Um, I really want to travel. I haven't had that much opportunity to travel internationally. I've travelled around the east coast of Australia a bit. Um, Yeah, I'd love to travel more. I like getting out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I just like to stay at home. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Homebody, okay. 
And finally, and this one can get a little bit tricky, what superhero best describes you? Batman. <laughs> That's pretty much it. No. Um, I can't say I know that many superheroes, but I think Wonder Woman is yeah. <laughs> um, a really good female role model. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to say her. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming, Emma and Rohit. It was great to have you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to leave a review. It'll help others to find the series. My name is Katiki Gupta. Thank you.